This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. Welcome to Connect with Community Waikato on Free FM 89.0. I'm Holly Snape from Community Waikato and have our newest member of the team, Tokanu Thompson from Community Waikato. Welcome. Kia ora. Thank you for having me. And welcome to Te Wiki or Te Reo Māori. Yes, very exciting week. And that's what we're talking about today. <laughs> so I've got Tukanu here today, who's one of our kai whakariti, to talk about Te Reo Māori and his own journey, the value of it in our communities, and just, I suppose, the broader range of thoughts. So let's start with your own history with Te Reo Māori. Did you grow up as a bilingual speaker? You could say that I didn't grow up as a bilingual speaker for the first part of my life. Until I was five, I couldn't speak English. Oh, wow. So you were fully immersed Te Reo Māori speaker? Yes, absolutely. And then the circumstances changed and access to Te Reo Māori in our new environment wasn't as available as where I was born, which was on the North Shore. Plenty of kohanga reo up there. There's four within close vicinity and they all had uh, kind of networking relationships with each other. So good kaupapa up there. And unfortunately, where we moved to next wasn't mature in that space yet. So where did you move to? We actually moved down to Morrinsville. Which was going home, wasn't it? Yes. So isn't it interesting going back to kind of your land and your space, but then access to Te Reo Māori wasn't really present at that point? Yeah, it's probably unfair to say that it wasn't accessible. It just wasn't as accessible. There's not four kōhanga down here. And you could probably make the argument that in that space... The demographic was actually pretty similar in terms of you know, Māori around because there's a strong Māori influence where, where I'm from. Tell me about at home then, obviously you were speaking fluent today, that was the home language. Your parents, have they always been fluent? My mother, yes. My mother comes from a really confusing time in her life where at school she wasn't allowed to speak Māori, but at home she wasn't allowed to speak English. Wow. <laughs> Yes. Wow, that is actually that's interesting because your mother isn't that old. You know, sometimes when we think about this generation of being told you couldn't speak Māori in schools, we think it's grandparents and great grandparent ages. But we're talking someone who's probably even younger than my parents, you know, or similar age anyway, not allowed to speak Māori at school. Yeah, I mean, she <laughs> she grew up in that time where there were certain teaching methods that we that definitely are not allowed to happen today yes um, yes and that was used as a tool to no Dissuade. longer speak yes <laughs> yes um but for my father no he didn't grow up with te reo and i know that his grandmother and his mother could speak beautiful reo but it wasn't something that was actively promoted at that time and then so my father's journey to or journey to grow his relationship with his reo is a long one. Did he start as an adult then um, with his reo journey? Yes. Yep. Yes, and you, you'll find that a lot of people who start their journey as an adult often start it with their children. And that's what happened for him? I think so. I obviously wasn't you there. Were the, you were the youngest one, eh? So I was, I'm not the youngest, but oh. I was the youngest for 10 years. I yeah. keep telling everyone that, by the way. <laughs> so they were. he was already getting quite... Um, uh, I'm sure competent by the time you came along then with his reo? 
Yes, definitely. And then I think it's gone to another level again. Yeah. And the type of mahi that he does through community waikato as a kaifakarite, you, your journey with te reo Māori isn't necessarily learnt in a classroom, but just an overall exposure to te reo. Yeah. And then, so for him, he goes through a lot of pōwhiri, so which means a lot of mahi mahi. Yes. From all over the motu. And that's a, that's a privilege to be in that position to be able to see all that and hear all that, and yeah. he just soaks it in. Yeah, quite amazing. Um, because, you know, he, he's certainly a very, very proficient speaker and, and is often um, people comment on how lovely his language is. Um, so for yourself, you know, growing up with the language, which is, um, you know, quite a privilege is the wrong word, but um, a real opportunity. Do you recall that point where you started having to learn English? No, not at all. Don't remember it? Because <laughs> I, I, won- I was thrust into it. Yeah. Um, sent to school with little English at all. Um, and unfortunately, there wasn't really a space for my, my te reo Māori to continue its journey at that time. Yeah. Definitely the external factors of, of your being affect your your grasp on your language. So because it was so strongly, and I mean really strongly, English-influenced, my Māori waned and waned and waned until it was effectively not there. So were you speaking te reo Māori at home at this point, or were you really just speaking English at home? No, at this stage of our lives, um, we weren't speaking a lot of Māori at home. Yeah. Yeah, so that would have been quite a massive shift. And um, language changes the way our brains work too, doesn't it? So, you know, you can see why um, there are concerns about when we have language loss that it it chips away at at culture as well. Um, In your reflection, do you think that that's something that happened that has been regained over time as the rails come back into your lives? Oh, definitely, definitely. It's difficult to have a relationship with tikanga and kawa, so protocols and... Well, two versions of protocols. Because, protocols yeah. for man and protocols from our, our atua. Yeah. It's difficult to have that relationship with tikanga and kawa without the language. Yes. And there seems, it feels like to me, and I can't speak for everyone, there's an absence of tikanga and kawa. Sorry. It's difficult to have the language when there's no tikanga and kawa as well. It's a, it's yeah. a two-way street. Three, yeah. they, they need to coexist. Yeah, yeah. For you to feel whole. Ah, so um, I'm going to ask a controversial question I probably should have flagged to you before. <laughs> you know, so Bring you could on. have done some thinking. There's been some, um, some suggestions, and this seems pretty fair to me, that for lots of Pākehā to start learning te reo, um, we do it without the context of culture, and that there is risk of doing what often happens when... Pakia, you know, sort of take something on board is that it becomes changed um, as it's, you know, embedded in a different kind of cultural context. Do you think there's a risk to Te Aro, uh, Te Reo Māori um, with so many Pakia wanting to embrace learning? Not at all. Yeah. And that's a reflection of how stubborn the Māori people can be. Yeah, nice response, yeah. Yep. There's, I, I can't see Māori sitting there, especially with their language, because 
And it's interesting because we talk about relationship and there'll be a lot of listeners out there who I think today were like, how can you have a relationship with language? Yeah. Um, but Māori definitely see it as a, as a treasure. So when we talk about te tiriti and, and taonga and how te tiriti is meant to protect Māori taonga, language is definitely one of them, yes. if not at the top. So if, if there was going to be massive changes in te reo because of non-Māori influence, it would have happened by now. Mm. But again, Māori is stubborn. Yeah. <laughs> and we refuse to let our, our tongue wane. I think that's um, a really, really good position. <laughs> yeah. Um, it is Māori Language Week, and um, we see more of it on television during this week, um, hear it on the, the radio, obviously, in lots of different places. Do you think in your sort of time and your journey with the language, um, have you seen... Um, I suppose, a change in the way the broader community embraces Te Reo Māori? I think so. I think, and it's really important for me to highlight Te Wiki Te Reo Māori because I didn't actually have, I didn't celebrate it once upon a time. When I was at university, young, a little bit naive, I thought Te Wiki Te Reo Māori was such a waste of time. I celebrate this every day of my life. Yeah. In one way or another. Um, and then I've, I've come to realise that Te Te Reo Māori isn't about me as an individual. It's yeah. about the collective. And then I saw so a look at businesses or mainstream media who, in the first Te Wiki Te Reo Māori, they participated. And then as the years go on, some of that participation in that one week has leaked into the next week and the following week. And as I spoke to you before, it's all about exposure. And mm. as... The more the, the community gets exposed to Te Wiki Te Reo Māori and the kind of, you know, macro effect of Te Wiki Te Reo Māori, we start to break down the fear factor because it was fear. I think that's... Oh, absolutely. Do you, I don't know if you remember, but um, I think the first time on Shortland Street, um, someone answered the phone and said kia ora, and it was a big kerfuffle. <laughs> About that. I can't say I remember. <laughs> You're probably um, a little young. You don't even have greys in your hair yet. That, but... would, that would also um, <laughs> imply that I watched Shortland Street. Oh, come on. <laughs> we can admit that off here later. But, but, but what was really interesting about that is actually it was a thing for people. They were concerned about it. Whereas now when you watch the news, it always starts with um, a little te reo and, and it's, people are, are using the proper place names a lot more. Um, it's become peppered through language more. And, and there are, you know, um, people of a... Um, there are individuals who get concerned about not understanding what they're, they're hearing. <laughs> but it's like Kyoto, You might not have known what that was when you first heard it, but now everybody knows what that means. So it is, you know, that peppering and, like you say, that, that slow exposure does take away fear and build knowledge and confidence. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Yeah, that's that's the the plan that I have for my own children is I just spray them with te reo Māori and they'll they'll get what they can and one day they'll understand what it means. Maybe they won't be able to articulate to you and I what it means. Yeah, but when I say it to them in that moment, they know. They know. Yeah, yeah. So do tell me a little bit just before we go to break a little bit about um, your children's journey with English and te reo Māori. It's limited for my two older children. Yeah. Um, so we live in a household that speaks English. And then so for me to speak 
Māori for them has to be a real conscious decision in that environment. Yes. And then my baby came along, and she's three now, so she goes to Kohanga Reo, but that wasn't the plan for her. Mm. So what happened was she was at daycare, and then one of my whanaunga approached us about a, a kohanga that she's opening, and I said yes. Mm. And now I'm I'm very involved in that kaupapa. Yes. <laughs> yes, you ended up on the board? Uh, yes, I am. I am chair. Yeah, yeah. Um, Welcome to community. Yes, and I put a lot of I put a lot of hours in it. But this is, I I see amongst our team that each individual on our team has a kaupapa that they're really fond of, and and this is my kaupapa. Yeah, that is fantastic. We're going to take a short break. Uh, when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about today um, and culture and today across New Zealand. Ko o te rama, ko i apu, 
We're back uh, talking to Tokanu from Community Waikato about Wiki o Te Reo Māori, uh, Māori Language Week, which we are celebrating. Um, not, not so well for some of us who don't have the language, unfortunately, trying to learn, but it's really hard as an adult. It's yeah, not I a good imagine, excuse, eh? But, <laughs> but I can imagine. It's, it's also not only learning new words, but it's also having to reconstruct sentences because... Um, I had a Māori teacher who used to tell me, Māori's not backwards, English is backwards, because the rest of the languages of the world are structured similarly to Māori. That's right, I've heard the same thing. But the reality is, is you still have to take the way that you think and then kind of flip it. Yes, yes. Um, And and I do think that's really interesting, you know, you say the way that you think, because it, it does change the way you think. There's been wonderful evidence about the value of speaking more than one language. And many New Zealanders have grown up with just one language, and whereas lots of people overseas get much more exposure. Um, I remember at school being told to to do another language, and I wanted to do Te Reo Māori, but was told that um, it wasn't a really valuable language. There was no point. Um, interesting, seeing as we live in New Zealand, and that perhaps French would be a better option for me. <laughs> I can tell you, I've never been to France, but well, I've sat I've- on a lot of marae. <laughs> That's definitely true, and I've definitely tried to learn French as well, and I failed miserably. <laughs> it took me about two two lectures to realise um, that this probably isn't for me, and the lecture actually suggested Spanish is really similar to Māori in terms of structure, so try that one. Yeah. And I said, I think I might just put a pause on learning a third language. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's fair. You don't need to be a polyglot, do you? You know, it's it's just fine. Two is great. Um but it does, there's been wonderful research about the way that it um, changes the brain and, and it's fantastic for your brain to have exposure to two languages. And I imagine um, navigating the two different, um, you know, just the fact that culture is so entrenched in the language plus the, the different structures means your brain has to do a whole lot of work, <laughs> you know. To I've heard that you are, can consider yourself really fluent in two languages when you dream in both. Do you dream in both languages? I don't know, but I have been accused by my wife that I sleep talk in Māori. Ah, there you go. Does she speak? Does she speak Māori? No, she doesn't. She is trying. So she takes. She's been taking classes for roughly the last two years. Yep. Trying to upskill her Māori. Awesome. Um, trying to keep up with my daughter. Yes. Um, but yeah, and we try. Yeah. Yeah. How about the older two? How are they getting on? They're okay. Yeah? They're okay. They're ticking along, and I think they're leaders in the space that they're in. Yes. Um, so they're both at mainstream school. Yep. And their nanny ma, who is the native speaker that we spoke about before. Yes. 
she's also the kaiarahiriau in the school that they're at. So yeah. that's she leads that kaupapa. It's actually also interesting because I hold her to the highest of standards yes. in terms of delivering <laughs> material to my tamariki. But yeah, that's no, quite interesting, the conversations we have over dinner. Yeah, I bet they are. <laughs> but it's it's fantastic that your kids have got so much um, opportunity and exposure to the language because not everybody has those opportunities, eh? No, not everyone has that opportunity, although it is becoming more available. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Tawananga or Aotearoa has brought a lot of opportunity um, to communities and, and a lot of their, um, particularly the the first sort of programs are, are free as well for people to enrol in. Yeah, interestingly enough also Marae are really pushing for that as I go through some of the development plans for yeah. Marae that you know my father's put together or helped facilitate. Definitely Wananga Reo is always kind of there or thereabouts. Yeah. And, but definitely going back to the accessibility for it, and just looking at Moronsville as an example, you've now got Te Aroha and Ngāti Haua School. We now have two kōhanga there, mm. and one is right in the middle of town because it is it, it can get complex when you have kōhanga on on marae because there's so much marae kaupapa. Yes, <laughs> and we're 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 not held by those restraints, so it's really exciting for for our kōhanga space and. I'd really like a, a medium space where I, I grew up in bilingual units. Yes. So once we moved back to Auckland, so we moved back to Auckland when I was eight. I better put some context into that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> we moved back up to Auckland when I was eight, and then for the rest of my schooling, I was in bilingual units. Mm. And that was amazing for me. It worked well for how I like to learn. Yeah. How does a bilingual unit actually work? It's delivered under. So you, generally, you communicate in Māori. Yeah. But maths, English, science are generally delivered in English. So you've got exposure in different subjects um, to to the two different languages. Yeah, for me, I, that's still important to me that we understand the terminology of that specific curriculum subject. Yeah. So it's important that we go through that. But we did a lot of a lot of our corridor was done in Māori. Mm. What do you think? Having the language means for someone who um, does whakapapa Māori? It's a, it's a greater sense of identity. That, that's me personally. Because naturally, who am I to tell you how you should identify as yourself? Yep. But for me, it gives me a greater sense of identity. And I think without it, your identity is almost constructed by external. So what people tell you you should feel like. This is the environment you're in. And then having your real and understanding your tikanga kawa come, really comes from inside. Mm. That's all. That's the only story I can tell. And I can only really tell that from my perspective. Yeah. Because, again, I, I don't want to tell anyone how they should feel. Yeah. Um, how about somebody um, who is right at the beginning of that journey but is perhaps a bit older and a little bit concerned about um, about jumping into it and actually starting that learning journey what would what advice would you give to them don't feel alone mm. there are so many on that journey maori and non-maori alike yeah i i do classes because it's a kaupapa that i want to support and i've actually gained a lot of value in it even though it's meant to be taught at a level that's that might be supposed to be better than it but i've i've pulled out a lot of good value out of that 
but in that space is a lot of older men, older women, even some queer who sit um, sit at the marae all the time. Yes. I mean, yeah, so it's the starting spot. Don't feel alone. Mm. There's many, many there, and I think no matter what learning environment you put yourself in, you won't find yourself alone. Yeah, I, I think that's that's really good advice. Often they say to, to really get to know a language, um, you need to, to get immersed in it. Um, are there enough opportunities to to sort of have an immersion experience, do you think, in Te Reo Māori? I think there are, but also that depends on... Your relationships the, and your, yeah, your circles. Definitely, because the best place for it is the marae. Yeah. Um, but if you don't have a relationship with your own marae, then that's probably the first kind of box you want to tick. Um, and that you don't have to have your deal to have a relationship with your marae. Yeah. I think, I wonder though if some people do feel they're not ready for that because they don't have the language. Yeah, I can see the conundrum there if if you've got that, that mind frame, but there are plenty of whanau who yeah. um, are integral to the functioning of, of our marae who I know don't have the deal. Yeah. But they they do a lot. Um, and we, we have different roles for everyone. Mm. To think that, I, I think people have a misconception that in order to serve your marae, it has to be from the pai pai. It's like, the people in the pai pai are really important. The people at the back doing all the, the cooking and the cleaning, they too are just as important. Yeah. yeah. Uh, because nobody wants to be in a in a porphyry for two hours and go out the back and there's no kai left. <laughs> it's true that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I think, you know, Māori Language Week's a really interesting op- and a good opportunity. Um, and we do see, we see a much more flooding in our community of the language during this week. I like what you said about how it sort of bleeds out into other weeks. What would be your advice um, for people who are perhaps a bit earlier on their journey as well, but wanting to, to keep this kind of going? Like how, what sort of things can they do to stay connected um, on this real journey, for me, it's it, it's it's words. Yeah, I think the week itself, they put so much content out there. If you just capture words and maybe put them around your house, that's such a cool tool. Mm. I think it's difficult to learn um, sentence structures in a week. Yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah, unlikely, eh? In a week, Un- unlikely. <laughs> yep. And then even then, the way that it's kind of delivered during the week. It's hard to maintain that context and know when to use it. So, yep. But definitely part of building up your repertoire of, of language is just capturing more words. I think that's really fantastic. So if I just capture what you've been saying in the, the last minute that we've got left, it's really don't feel alone. You know, Don't be afraid to get started. There are lots of people in that same place. Um, it's okay to start simple. Just pick words, put them around, become familiar with them. Um, and if you have the opportunity, connect with your, your local marae. And I think the last one is, there's a song called Ahakamana. Learn it. It is every Māori syllable in our entire language. It might be our next wata at work. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Hey, thanks so much, Takano. Really appreciate you coming in today. That is us for another week. You have been listening to Connect with Community Waikato on Free FM 89.0.
For more episodes, use the accessmedia.nz app for iOS and Android devices or subscribe to this podcast via Spotify, iHeartRadio or Apple Podcasts. This free FM podcast was brought to you with support from New Zealand On Air.